Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. North Dakota lakes continue transitioning to open water, so there's minimal activity across most areas of the state. However, look for some open water fishing along bridges where there is flowing water. Places like Channel A on Devil's Lake or the bridges above Lake Ashtabula, for example. The thing is, it's going to be a quick runoff this spring with so little moisture. The Missouri River is the water body that is getting attention. However, the tail race slowed again for boat angling success, but there's a few trout showing up. The best success and most activity is around the Bismarck-Mandan area. Local docks are back in place for the season, and anglers are working anywhere from Fox Island and down around Fort Rice, Eckroth Bottoms, or the Hazelton area. The trick is to work warm, shallow water along the sandbars. Try a mix of presentations such as jigs and minnows, plastics, or even crankbaits for some early season walleye success. Switching to the hunting end of things, snow geese were moving into North Dakota earlier in the week, with a few still around the far southeast, spreading out from Tawakan National Wildlife Refuge into Richland and Sargent Counties. Another strong push took place through the western Red River Valley and around the Cheyenne and James Rivers region, as well as north into east-central parts of the state. Look for a rapid movement with continued warm weather and lack of snow cover. A few birds were also moving into central North Dakota around the Lone Tree Wildlife Management, again earlier in the week, but they weren't really stopping to feed any place. In addition, an occasional scattered flock was around Devil's Lake area, but those limited, limited numbers yet. A lack of snow might make for that fast movement into Canada's, and hunters will want to be mobile and scout to try to follow the birds. Finally, just a reminder that whooping cranes will be moving through soon as well on their migration. Waterfall identification is so important here. It's whooping crane if it has long legs stretching backwards and an outstretched neck. It's a very, very large bird with black wingtips and a red crown on its head. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcasts. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Scotty Brewer, Kyle Agri, Brewer Agri Outdoors. And uh, we're not going to talk fishing on this segment. We're not going to talk hunting on this segment, although it's pretty darn close to hunting. Uh, we're going to talk a little trapping with Scott Mackner, uh, the nickname of Trapper. 
for a good reason. He is 330 Maniac Outdoors. Keep that in mind because that's how you will find him on YouTube or online. 330 Maniac Outdoors. How are you doing, Scott? Oh, fantastic. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. So you, sir, are very well known for your trapping skills and for the amount of uh, content you put out there for trapping. You do videos, boy, almost weekly during trapping season when, when you're out there and you're out there a lot. And, you know, right now, from what we were talking about earlier, it sounds like it's spring beaver season. Yes, absolutely. You know, this is the time of the year where, you know, those those beaver, they've been, they've been active all winter under the ice. Now with the warm temperatures, you know, their runs are opening up and they're just, they're just itching to get out and mark their territory and, and just get out and get some fresh food. So for those people that might be interested in doing a little bit of trapping, beaver trapping in the spring specifically, what kind of equipment are they going to need? What are, you know, is it very detailed or can they get into that sport relatively basic? You know, the, the, the traps are pretty basic. Um, springtime like this, generally a 330 bear or a foothold, a number three or number four on a, on a drowning wire. Uh, you know, if you look it up online, it's a pretty simple setup. Um, generally, you set the, make these sets along the shoreline where the beaver have come out. See, every, every spring they come out and they're marking all their territory because this is the time of year where colonies of beaver will kick out their two-year-old beavers and they put them out on their own to make their own colonies. So they're just marking this territory to make sure that no other beavers come in and try to build their own colony. Kind of a graduation day for the beaver folks when they hit two years old. But the question I have just is in in so many things in the outdoors, you know, we, we look to different signs that tell us it's the right time to go out and start whatever the activity is. So with, with trapping spring beaver, is it a photo period, a length of day? Is it a date on the calendar? Is it a temperature mark? What is it that signals to you it's time to get going? It's generally a temperature mark as, as you know, as we know that it varies. I saw it varies every time, you know, or each time of the year. Um, and generally about, you have a, a window of about two weeks after I saw it where the beavers are still are prime and whatnot. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest signal is um, you'll, you'll start to see large piles of mud pushed up along the shoreline around these, around these ponds and stuff after the ice is out. That signals to me that the beaver are out and they're marking their territory, you know, and it's, and it's time to start trapping. So, Scott, when, when you put these traps out, do you put anything there to lure them or to funnel them to your traps? So, since they're out marking their territory now, and they, they use their caster gland um, in order to mark their territory, territory so other beavers know, you know, not to come in their, their area. And you can buy these lures online. There's there's different, you know, different lure makers that make different kinds. Um, but generally, any caster-based lure will work. And essentially, what you do is... You will make a set, whether it be a, a, a conibear or a foothold on the shore, you know, on in the water on the shoreline. You put that lure behind the trap. And what happens is these beavers swim by and they actually get very aggressive. They just think another beaver's in their territory and they will basically charge right up to, to, to scent check this stuff. And in the process, they'll get caught in your traps you put out. So it sounds like, you know, this is like fishing or hunting or anything else that, you need to know your target. You know, the more you know about whatever you're trying to target, in this case, beavers, the more successful you're going to be. Absolutely. Um, you know, I can go and look at a pond and there's there's definitely certain areas in the pond that will work better if you can get close to the lodge or if you can find a, like a nice small niche in the bank, you know, that, that, helps the, it help, that helps you channel that beaver into one area. That's specifically a really good spot to make one of these sets. 
you put your set out, Scott. You're out there. You, you've got the set. You're all ready to go. You're going to wait for that beaver activity. What is your routine following up? So in other words, like how often are you out checking your traps? Obviously, you want to check it regularly enough so you can you can make sure that's a humane harvest. You want to make sure that if it isn't working, you can make adjustments. What's your schedule as you get? Absolutely. Um, so I'll always, I'll always set. And then the first two, well, depending on the size of the colony and my catch the next day, but generally I will check these traps every single 20, you know, every day, 24 hours, 24 hours, just, just in case, um, a beaver doesn't make it down your drowning rod. You know, you, like I said, you want to make sure that that animal, you know, doesn't sit around for any period of time, um, alive in the trap. So a 24 hour check is generally what I do. And I, is there regulations on that, that once you put a trap out, you do have to check it? Uh, every there so are. Often? In the regulations, I, I would have to look and see exactly what it is. I, like I said, I check every day, but if the trap is not able to drown the beaver or whatever you're targeting, um, it's required to be checked, I believe, every 48 hours. I have to imagine it's as much of an ethical responsibility as it is to abide by the law. Yes, definitely. You know, and that's, and I, that's, that's how I feel about it. You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take the position to go out and, you know, and trap these beaver, you know, and whatnot, that it's my responsibility to do, you know, the best part I can to, to harvest those animals. You know, Scott, just like everything in the outdoors, you know, we, we have hobbies, you know, whether it's fishing, whether it's hunting, whether it's trapping, and this is one of your main hobbies. Um, quite often the hobbies will cost us some money to get into it. Fishing, for example, you know, you got to buy boats, you got to buy all this stuff and your enjoyment is. There's no cost involved in fishing, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, that's that's what we tell our wives. (laughs) But but with trapping, you do recoup a little bit of that cost, not necessarily a lot because, you know, furs aren't worth as much as they used to years ago, but you are able to recoup a little bit of that cost. So um, but that drive for that enjoyment of the hobby sure sure still has to be the main drive to get you out there to do it. And that is, you know, I, I grew up trapping. My dad got, my dad and my grandpa got me trapping when I was about nine years old. And just I just loved being outdoors and seeing all these things that the beaver and stuff could do. And I just really enjoyed the challenge of catching them, you know. And like you said, um, what I would do is I, how I got some of my traps was I would catch a few beaver and I would in turn sell them and maybe I'd have enough to buy, you know, another trap and I'd slowly build up my trap supply that way. Or buy some minnows. Or buy some more. <laughs> that was the tough decision. Was it trapping this week or fishing this week? <laughs> you know, and, and I got to believe that most, I've, I've never trapped. I've always wanted to. I thought it'd be fun. Um, but I got to believe that most hunters, fishermen, you know, we're all in the same boat where we all enjoy everything outdoors and trapping would be just as enjoyable as hunting or fishing. Uh, definitely. I, I I often struggle with myself on what I enjoy more, you know, trapping or fishing because there's, there's days where I'll go and I'll set traps and, I'll, and I literally can't sleep, you know, at night because I just, I know I'm going to go and I'm going to have a a really good check, you know, or it's that day where, you know, the crappie bite is super good mm-hmm. and you know, you're going to get on those fish and it's just, it's just hard to decide which one is better. So Scott, if anybody wants to venture out into this sport, somebody that's maybe never done it or people that do do it, that want some more tips, where can they find you? Where can they find some of your content? Mm-hmm. Because I know you have a lot of it out. 
Yeah, if you go on YouTube and just if you were to just type in beaver trapping on YouTube, um, a lot of the videos will pop up. That pop up will be underneath my channel, um, Three Thirty Maniac. And if you look on Facebook or Instagram, um, Three Thirty Maniac Outdoors is where where you'll find me on there. Um, one one's more small note. Uh, you'd have to look in Minnesota if you were born after a certain date. There's a short trapping class you need to take um, in order to qualify in order to get a trapping license. Um, just a little little extra tidbit information for anybody that wants to get into the trapping. Great information. It's Scott Mackner, 330 Maniac Outdoors. Thanks for coming on Ground Outdoors. Thank you very much, guys. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.